You know that we have a video today by our dear friend Robert Morris. Robert is anointed with these messages here, and I believe that. The first service, boy, their response to this message that we have, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. I've listened to this video. I've heard other videos like this by Robert Morris before, but every time I get something new. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm asking you to open your mind and open your heart. And I'm asking you to say, Holy Spirit, whatever it is you have to say to me through the teaching and preaching of your word doesn't, doesn't matter what medium it is if it exalts in the name of the Lord. So would you just pay attention? We even have good-looking notes right here for you. You can write on them, scribble on them, do whatever you like. They belong to you. And uh, I pray that God will speak to all of our hearts. Take a look at the video, would you? Good to see you. We are in a series uh, called The Blessed Life, and I do want to say welcome to all the churches that are joining us, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16. That's the only passage I'm going to ask you to turn or click to, um, but just however you do it, just go to Luke chapter 16, and uh, we're going to talk this weekend about breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N. It's a word that's in the Bible only four times. Uh, Jesus, as we know, only used it three times. One of the times it's in the Bible, it's a repeat. It's in Matthew and Luke, but it's the same sermon. So we're going to look at it in Luke so that we'll see all the times that we know of that Jesus used this word, all right? Luke chapter 16, look at verse 9. Luke 16, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That's the first time we see the word. That when you fail, they, I just want you to remember the word they, not it, they, so it's talking about the friends, may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, it's the second time we've seen it, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And then verse 13 is a repeat of the verse in Matthew 6, no servant. No no servant, not one, no person, no person. This is very important to understand this. Uh, Matthew said this way, no one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the third time we see it. And again, that's a repeat from a verse in Matthew 6. It's from the same sermon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay. This is the only phrase like this in the Bible that where Jesus contrasts serving God with something as, as, as uh, uh, clearly as he does. You cannot serve. You cannot do it. No one can do this. You cannot serve God and 
mammon. Okay, since he said that, we need to know what mammon is. So I have three points for you today. Here's point number one. They're actually all three questions. What is mammon? What is mammon? Most people would immediately say money, but, but the answer is so much deeper than that. Uh, mammon is an Aramaic word which means riches, uh, but it comes from the Syrian god of riches. I don't believe Jesus was simply referring to riches. I think he was referring to a false god that they knew. The Syrians had a god called Mammon, and it was the god of riches. Now, let me tell you where it came from. It actually came from Babylon. A lot of people don't know where Babylon came from. If you just look at the very first part of it, Babel. Babylon came from the Tower of Babel. That's where Babylon came from. And if you ever want to know what the word Babylon means, just say it a little differently, a little slower, Babylon. You ever known anybody just babble? Okay, never mind. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't nudge anyone or look at someone right now, you know. But babble means, actually means confusion. You know, someone just talking, you, don't ever, you, don't, you can't follow them. You don't know what they're talking about. Babble, the word babble means confusion. When you add the suffix on, on it, it means sown uh, are planted. So the word Babylon means sown in confusion. It started in confusion. The Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, was the, a system that they believed that they didn't need God. They could get to heaven on their own, their own energy, their own work could get them high enough to get to heaven. That is what the spirit of mammon is, that we don't need God if we have riches and money. It is a spirit that contrasts itself with the Spirit of God. It is a, an arrogant, prideful spirit that tries to replace God. When you think about this, it's, he, Jesus said you, you can't serve God and mammon. In other words, mammon is looking for servants. Mammon wants to rule in your life. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. And here's the problem. Many of us actually grew up looking to mammon, and we didn't even know it. And, and Jesus makes this statement. You can't serve both. And he, he says, you will be loyal to one and despise the other. Now, I want you to think about this. There's a message today that that's we, we call the prosperity message. It's basically give and you'll get, give and you'll get, and, and you know, God wants to to bless everyone with lots of money and a Mercedes and a Rolex. And uh, the problem with that message is that it actually works selfishness and greed into your life instead of out of your life. And the problem with that is it's a mammon message. And here's the problem. You become loyal to that. Now, here's what happens. When people buy into the prosperity message, what happens then is that when something breaks or something goes wrong in their life financially, they despise God. They get mad at God. And here's the reason they get mad at God or despise God, because they're loyal to mammon. Jesus said if you're loyal to mammon, you'll despise God. Mammon wants to take God's place. Mammon actually promises us everything that only God can give us. You think about it. Mammon promises us identity, security, significance, uh, happiness, joy, 
All these things only God can give. Listen, only God can give peace, love, and joy. Only God. Mammon can't. Mammon can never deliver on its promise. Mammon wants to rule. You can't serve God and mammon. I'll tell you something that might shock you about mammon. Mammon is the spirit of Antichrist. And I'll prove it to you by a very simple verse that all of you know, but it's shocking how many people never put this together. The spirit of Antichrist does not rule through the threat of nuclear war. The spirit of Antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy and sell. That's mammon. If you don't bow to me, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't be able to provide for your family. See, it's a contrast. All through, all, all, all through our lives, mammon is trying to get you to bow to mammon, serve mammon, worship mammon, and Jesus is saying, no, God is the only one that can provide everything you need. God is the only one that can provide identity and security and peace and happiness and joy and love. Only God can. But mammon says he can. Mammon will say, you know, if you had more money, people will listen to you. Significance. If you had more money, if you had the right credit cards, if you had the right clothes, if you had the right car, if you had the right house, if you had more money, you'd be happier. If you had more money, um, you, you, you'd have a better marriage. If you had more money, here, here's the big lie. If you had more money, you could help more people. Listen to me very carefully. Money doesn't help people. God helps people. But notice the contrast. See the contrast? Money, okay. Look, look, here. Jesus never told anyone that he needed more money. Never did a leper, never did a lame man, never did a blind man say, have mercy on me, son of David, and Jesus turned around and say, oh, you just need more money. Not once. And I'll tell you again how it contrasts. Just, just to show you how we've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. We've all had this thinking at some point or another. I either need God to come through or I need someone to give me some money. And if someone would give me some money, I'm okay, God. My problem's been solved. I don't, I don't need you because I got money. Are, are, are you following me? I can remember one time my, um, I borrowed my dad's boat uh, when, we were, when our family was younger. We have a boat now, but when our family was younger, uh, my dad had a boat, never used it. I think he kept it just for us, you know, for the kids to use. And I'm grateful for that. But he got a brand new boat. I borrowed it. We're on vacation. Something started beeping. Uh, the beeping bothered me, so I got up under the dash and pulled the wire out. <clears throat> This is something you do when you're young and stupid. It was trying to tell me something. It was trying to tell me that it was low on oil. But I kept driving, and we burned the motor up. Brand new motor. $4,000. I said to my dad, Dad, um, I, I'm, 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 this is my responsibility, and I'm going to take care of this. I, I will figure out a way to take care of this. And I said, this is my problem. I'll take care of it. And you know what my dad said to me? Son, you've never had a problem. I will never forget this conversation as long as I live. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, son, if money can fix it, it's not a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can. He was telling me right then, it's, money's not the answer to your problems. Son, God is always the answer to your problems. So that's mammon. Mammon is this spirit that tries to influence us. Here's question number two. Is money evil? Is money evil? Because Jesus said unrighteous mammon. Well, what he's talking about is a spirit. It's a spirit. I, let me just say again, mammon is a spirit. <laughs> uh, if, if mammon's not a spirit, how come it can talk? Because you, 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 try, you start to give an offering, and I'll bet you'll hear voices. <laughs> Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Can I tell you this? All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it, or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit on it or the spirit of mammon. And the way you get God's spirit on it, according to Scripture, is you give the first 10% to the house of God, and God redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Why would you want the spirit of mammon on, on your money? So money money's not evil. Money's neutral. You can do good with money. You can do bad with money. People say, well, but the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. Here's what it says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, in other words, they got under the spirit of mammon, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here, here's what I think he's saying. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Now, look at this verse because it's strange the way it reads, and a lot of us don't understand it. Verse 9 says, and I say to you, this is Jesus talking, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay. I have to admit to you, when I first read that as a new believer, I totally misunderstood. It's, you know, I'm thinking of unrighteous mammon as just money, not, not a God or a spirit of greed. And, and I, so it said, make friends with money. That's what I thought it meant. So I thought it meant, you know, do uh, favors for other people. And then when you're in trouble, they'll, they'll do something for you. You know, that's what I thought. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, take this unrighteous mammon and redeem it by giving the first to the house of God and use this, use the money that Satan uses for evil. You use it for good and you use it to build the kingdom of God and people will get saved. They will become your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, when you fail, this word fail means die, it means when you die when you expire physically. Listen, and when you die, they, these people who've come to Christ because you gave to the kingdom, listen, will welcome you into your eternal home. <laughs> That's what he's saying. In other words, there are gonna be people in heaven that welcome me that say, I'm here because you gave. 
I know that a missionary came and brought the gospel to us, but I found out, because when heaven said, we're going to know things, I found out there were 47 people that supported that missionary, and you're one of the 47, and if you hadn't supported that missionary, I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. That, that's what he's talking about. See, God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. True riches. That's what true riches are. Um, when I first got saved, um, if you remember, Debbie and I were married before I got saved. And um, when I got saved, I wanted to witness, but I just, just, just couldn't quite do it. And, and was shy, if you can believe that. <laughs> And um, so uh, I got over it, but I, got, I was shy. And uh, so I remember when I found tracks. Now, I don't know how many of you remember tracks. How many of you remember tracks? Tracks were like little books that shared the gospel story. And I thought, so that came out of drugs. So I thought, this is cool, because tracks used to be when the policeman said, okay, roll your sleeve up. And, And I thought, wow, I don't know who came with the name of Tracks. Must have been an ex-addict, but I, that's great. That's great. Going to share the gospel through Tracks, you know. So, so anyway, so I would get these Tracks, and I'd leave them on tables when we would eat. You know, I'd leave the tip inside. But nobody ever said anything. And so I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm just not leaving a big enough tip. And so I've talked to Debbie about it. We prayed about it. We saved up. We did not have enough to do this. We left a $50 bill in a track one time. Our meal might have been $10, you know and a $50 tip with the track. We go back to that restaurant a few weeks later, and this uh, lady that waited on us came up. She said, I've been waiting to talk to you. I read that little book, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And she said, and I called my husband and read it to him over the phone, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I got so excited, but I remember her, her wording struck me kind of oddly. I said, what do you mean you called your husband? I mean, was he at work or was he at home? And she put her head down, and she said, He's in prison. Can I tell you something? I'm going to meet that guy one day. And he's going to say thank you for the $50 tip. Because I got saved because of that. By the way, a few years later, he got out of prison. And Debbie and I had the honor of, of seeing him and his wife get baptized. Simply because of that. See, what I'm trying to tell you... I'm trying to tell you is that God can actually take our money and turn it into souls. It is amazing. You can give to the church and God can turn it into souls. It's phenomenal. So money is not evil. And here's the third thing, question, what should I do with my money? What should I do with money? What should I do with money? Uh, well, let me just give you an answer is be a good steward with what you have. Just be a good steward with what you have. Now, here's what some of you might be thinking. Uh, Pastor, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned with this message. <laughs> if I had more, then I would probably be taking notes and listening very intently, but this just isn't, isn't really helping me, okay? Now, listen to me lovingly. If that's your way of thinking, that I have too little to be concerned with this that Jesus taught. Listen, if that's your way of thinking, you never will have any more. Uh, verse 10 says, he who is faithful in what is least 
is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Please hear me. If you have a little and you don't tithe, you'll never have much. What God does is we all start out with a little, and he sees if he, if he can trust us. And if he can trust us, he gives us more, and he gives us more, and he gives us more until we get to the level where we can be a blessing to our family and be a blessing to others, whatever that amount would be. But if, 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 if you're not faithful with a little, you're never going to have much. Uh, verse 12 says, and if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, there are a lot of applications for this, but I just want to give you one application, possible application. Remember, we've talked for a couple of weeks now about the tithe, and I know God owns it all, but according to Scripture, He's reserved the tithe. He said, it is mine. It belongs to me. I've set it apart. Don't touch it. If you take it, it's stolen. It's consecrated. It's holy. It's set apart to the Lord. Okay. If you've not been faithful in what's another man, who will give you what is your own? Is it possible that one application of this verse could be, if you're not faithful with the 10%, who will give you the 90? If you're not faithful with the tithe, which belongs to the Lord, who's going to give you more? Please hear me. This is so important for us to understand. It's, it's like I said last weekend, God's testing us. A few weekends ago, two weeks ago, God's testing us to see what we're going to do with the first 10%. And then look at verse 11. This is the last scripture we're going to look at. It says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Okay. Well, what, what are true riches? Well, I can tell you, it's real simple. True riches are people. Uh, if you looked around this room, whatever room you're sitting in, whatever campus or church you're attending, listen to me. You look around this room, you're seeing the only thing that's going to last for eternity. Not the bodies, the souls. Souls, they're the only things going to last. When I was in college, we had this guy, he's kind of radical, you know, and, uh, uh, and he just had this little saying, it's going to burn We would drive by like a really nice house, and, you know, we were in college. We'd say, look at that house. He'd say, it's going to burn. <laughs> well, he was right. I mean, it's all going to burn. Heaven and earth is going to be destroyed. I understand that. <laughs> but it really is true. It's all going to burn, except for souls. Souls last forever. Yeah. Let me say it another way. Heaven is being populated, and hell is being plundered by our offerings. That's why it's so important for me to give and why I see it as a spiritual act because when I give, people are getting saved. God is taking what was unrighteous, mammon. I've redeemed it by giving the first to him, and then as I give offerings, he's turning it into true riches. True riches are people. Um, when Ethan, my son-in-law, and Elaine, my daughter, started dating, uh, Ethan came to me and talked to me first, and I set up guidelines, you know, for him. And, uh, and because I wanted to see if he'd honor me. 
Here, here's the reason. If he wouldn't honor me, he wouldn't honor her. That's for some of the young men here. And so I, we t- I brought him in. We talked. I also showed him my gun collection, by the way. Uh, but, um, but I gave him some rules to follow and some things, you know. And then after a few months, and he did it. He did everything right. He did everything right. He did everything I told him to do. So after a few months, I gave him the, the, uh, the okay to start dating. And so one night there at seven, our young adult group, and they're standing around talking with a group of young adults afterwards, and they were talking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And it's Ethan and Lane and seven or eight other young adults, you know? And uh, it was funny because uh, one of them said to Elaine, you know, your dad is so strict on tithing. I'll bet he checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and Elaine, Elaine said, he does. And when she said that, Ethan went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And Elaine said, what are you saying? You you told me you tithed. You told me you tithed. What are you you, you saying "Uh uh-oh for? And Ethan said, well, there was one time I was one day late. (laughs) And he explained to her, you know, uh, she said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I would always do my tithe. I'd get paid on Friday. So at work, I would go online and do my tithe because I didn't have internet at home. Uh, because it costs so much, and he's a real good steward. And so, said, I didn't have internet at home, so I would always do it at work on Friday when I got paid. But one Friday, I didn't go to work. I didn't have to work that Friday. I had to work Saturday, so I did it on Saturday. But I've always regretted that my tithe wasn't, you know, every Friday, that it was one day late. And they got to laughing, and they said, oh, to Elaine, they said, your dad's not going to notice that. And Elaine said, yes, he will. <laughs> So they said, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? So she came home that night. She said, hey, Dad, uh, did you check uh, Ethan's tithing record? I said, yeah, I sure did. (laughs) She said, well, was everything okay? I said, there was one time he was one day late. (laughs) And the next time we meet, I'm going to ask him about it. Okay, but why, why wouldn't I check the tithing record? of a young man that wants to date my daughter. Let me say it another way. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? If he can't even handle money, I mean, he definitely can't handle Elaine because Elaine is a handful. (laughs) He's not going to be able to handle her if he can't handle dollars and cents. But let me say it another way. She's my only daughter. She's priceless. Why would I give true riches to someone that can't handle unrighteous mammon? Can't even handle money. Well, let me say it another way. Why would the Heavenly Father? who has all power to bless you. Why would he bless you when you don't steward what you already have? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Well, that's an impacting question, isn't it? That last question. Bless you. And you know, here's the bottom line. I've been, um, I've been ministry now for 50 years. 
I won't say that I've heard it all and seen it all because I still hear things and see things I never thought possible. I didn't think it was possible that we would pass in the law in one of our states that you could abort a baby full term. I never would believe that. There are other little things that the enemy has out there that he's going to dangle before the church and say, what do y'all think about this? Are you going to respond or are you just going to let it happen? You say, well, pastor, what can we do? I can tell you, we can motivate one another to pray because prayer is the power that pushes the devil back into his corner and dare him to get out of it. Amen. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, God's got a deep pit that one day he's going to throw the devil in forever and he's going to be there forever, ever, and ever. But until then, we have a lot of work that we need to do. So pray that you have your notes in the bulletin. Let me just uh, take a moment to uh, go over this little, little uh, piece of paper here. It's called Celebrating 30 Years 2019 Visioneering. I, I had the privilege of meeting uh, our board. Uh, our board meets uh, once a month. We have the greatest board members on the planet or any church that you could ever imagine. We have lawyers on there, doctors on there, developers, all kind of wonderful, wonderful people. And, and then just plain old vanilla individuals like me. I have the privilege of chairing the board, but they're just great individuals. So I cast vision to them and said, I'm going to share that vision. Get this now on our 30th anniversary, which is March the 17th, just a couple of weeks from today, March the 17th, I'm going to lay out a vision for 2019 and the next five years of what uh, we are going to do by the grace and the favor of the Lord. And of course, one of the things in casting that vision for you is, boy, tithe. Be sure you get that down. That belongs to God. You heard it. And uh, boy, we want you to do that first. But then we also do what is called the development fund. Sharon and I support it, and hundreds and hundreds of you do as well. That says, hey, we want to see building improvements. We want to give to that. The tithe belongs to the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, making ministry count. And that's what we do. But the development fund helps us make improvements, and there are tons of improvements that, that has to take place every single year. And if you look at our seven uh, spiritual values, they're right here. They're on this uh, piece of paper here, our seven spiritual values. You take a look at that, then you understand that's, that's kind of the core of who we are, to know Christ and make Him known. And then our 2019 ministry advancement goals. Now, I'm going to unload, unpackage this <clears throat> on the 17th, but I want to highlight it for you because you're going to get a letter in the mail this coming week from me, and I'm going to talk to you and say, would you give consideration of making a commitment over the next 12 months into the development fund and bring a special offering to help kick it off just for another year? Children are important. As a matter of fact, when I took a look at this and I said, it's our number one priority. What does that mean? You see, if you don't have children, you don't have young adults, you have no church of the future. And so here's what I know in the millennial age in which we're in now, the millennials are there. And not only that, the baby busters, many of them have their children. And here's the common knowledge that we know that young couples today will put their children almost ahead of everything else. Here's what we want. 
We want every family in our church, we care about children, but most importantly, not just to entertain, because we've got the best group of children's pastors that you will find on the planet, creative, loving God. We want those kids to know the Word of God, not just to entertain them, not just to sing songs, but being certain they know how to pray. And if some of those kids happen to be in a home where one member of that family uh, leadership pool, the husband or wife, is not saved, Can you imagine that little child has been taught to pray going up to an unsaved daddy and said, Daddy, let me pray. Jesus has the ability to heal you. Buddy, when you pack the Word of God in a kid, it is unleashed by the grace of God. And we have things that we want to do. Student college, we've just brought on a brand new leader to help our young adults and young professionals and our college students. We want our college students to have an integration, a fellowship, one with another, talk about the challenges that are there. If those uh, many students attend a secular university, they're not going to hear the truth of God's Word. As a matter of fact, God's Word may never be brought up. My uh, grandson goes to UF. He had a professor that told him the other day, I just want to let all of you know, most of you are probably going to fail my class and then use some expletives. He said, Granddad. I mean, he told us ahead of time, we're going to fail the class, you know? And then the language was unbelievable. Here's what I know. What am I going to do, granddad? Hey, we're going to pray for that professor. Who knows when God's got his number, God's going to call it out and going to wind up saying, my Lord, I'm in more trouble. I need a higher power. That higher power is Jehovah God. Amen. Nobody gets away from the influence of the Holy Spirit. Help me out this morning. We have the growth track. The grow, the grow track is when people come to faith, or maybe they've been in the church and never taken an opportunity to get into some disciplined teaching. The grow track, of course, is four classes of assimilation that tell you why we do baptism, tell you why that we build a facility, why we do ministry, why missions is important, why it's important to have your devotions and the power of prayer, and then not only that, the guest experience. We want when students come to the, to the, or, or individuals come on the campus of Victory Church from the time they get in the parking lot to the time they find a pew, we want to be certain that they have a five-star experience. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm asking for. We have a lot of wonderful greeters and ushers, and we're grateful for all of them. But I want to integrate young people in the lobby and in the areas. I want them to see young faces. I, I thought about getting out there myself and helping out, you know, greet with a young face and all that, all that goes with it. I was, uh, the other day, I was looking for something. I went over here to What's the name of the place? The Lowe's. I went to Lowe's and I, I couldn't find anybody. I mean, to help me. I mean, I thought, my Lord, I want to come in here 10 minutes, get what I want and get out of here. And so I looked and looked and looked. Go, I did find somebody said, hey, what about, you know, oh, that's not my department. I'm thinking to myself, I wish I managed this store. <laughs> then I left there and I said, well, maybe I go to Home Depot. I don't go to Home Depot much. I walked in the door. Somebody greeted me at the door. And they said, what can we do for you? I said, well, I'm looking for this. And they said, well, hey, it's on uh, aisle 13 there. And I said, all right, 13. Yeah, let me take you down there. 
So they escorted me over to aisle 13 and said, right there is your product. That's what you're looking for. I thought, what a contrast. Listen, friend, that's what I want people to experience when they come to Victory Church. I want somebody to say, where it is you're going to, we're going to take you there and have a great experience. Listen, we're selling eternity here by the grace of God. We don't want to miss one single thing. And then prayer ministry. I told our board that's going to be a primary part. Wednesday nights, for example, we're going to begin to move into more prayer on Wednesday night, establish more prayer groups because I know that a lot of us have challenges and prayer is the only answer. Missions and evangelism. I'd like to see us bring on a person, a full-time individual that helps plan more and more trips here in the U.S., more trips overseas, because here's what I'm asking. I want every single person to be able to go on at least one missions trip. Why do you want that? Because it changes the life of everybody that goes. And then for all those that do go, they create a relationship with all the others that go that ordinarily they never would have. As a matter of fact, I'd like to see everybody go to Israel with me. I think 110 are going to go and, and all of them that choose will, will choose to be a water baptized in the Jordan River. What a wonderful opportunity we are going to have. And the Dream Center, we're getting more and more and more favor from the city of Lakeland, uh, the churches that are supporting to reach at-risk children. I got uh, Teresa's report yesterday. She said this week we ministered to 250 students on the tarp, touched their lives, and made a big, big change. Listen, friend, that's why we exist. Not that we can come and sit on in a pretty comfortable pew and listen to the wonderful worship and worship singers that any one of them could, could win. America's got talent. They're all really good. But listen, here's what God called us to do. When you get it in your spirit, be sure you share it and touch lives that ordinarily would never know the Lord. Here's what else we're going to do. Improvement. Sanctuary. We moved in this building late 99, early 2000, and it is wearing. You can take a look at the carpet. You can take a look at some of the pews. They're kind of rolling up, but we are going to make upgrades. Listen, friend, this year, it's our goal to begin to make those upgrades in the here and now. Not five years. We know the value of doing that in the carpeting and the overall decor, the Family Life Center, believe this, 30 years old, but we need to make upgrades as it relates to that in the FLC renovation and a kids department that is second to none. Our youth pastors, many of them are here this morning. They said the other day, pastor, if you're going to make improvements and it comes down to the youth department or it comes down to the children's department because they all have little kids, here's what they said. Do it in the kids' department. We want our little kids to be cared for in a phenomenal way. Friend, you are going to see, if you live through this year, and I hope you do, you're going to see many of these improvements be initiated in the here and now. The chapel, the chapel needs a facelift. The pews, some of them are torn New carpet, we're going for that. Lakeside Village, up, update our ministry equipment there. Technology, we've received word from the theater down there. They're about to make some changes, and so we're going to have to get with it. And then, and then, land acquisition. We, we have five more acres of land that's located. If you go out this exit or entrance here onto Mall Hill, that five acres to your right uh, we do not own, but Dr. Gill 
has saved it for us in the total package of our land development, saved it for us. He said to me one time, I want to die broke. I want to die broke. And friend, I want to be able to go to him and say, Dr. Gill, I am here to help you die broke. (laughs) That five acres, I'm claiming it. How many believe we'll do that? Amen. You know why? Because it belongs to Victory Church already. Just think about it. Exterior lighting. We have poor lighting on the outside at night. We want to increase that. We want increased security and signage. I want to be able to know where the bathroom is when I walk in. Amen. I don't, I don't want to have to walk in and say, where's the bathroom? I, I need to go. You know, I want a sign that says it's this way, that way. You're apprehended by a greeter. They're going to be able to take you down there. I, as you, I am excited about this, friend. I am ready to go. I'm more excited today than I was 30 years ago because I see what is in the hand of God that belongs to us. And I'm going into that old promised land, and I'm going to claim it. Amen. I'm going to need your help. And then finally... Finally, the website, the website, you know, full interactive church website designed to inform and engage. My mother is looking right now. My sister goes to her house every Sunday morning before they exit and brings up the church service so she can look at it. She's not able to attend right now, but she looks at it and boy, she wants every part of that. It's either me and Victory Church or Jimmy Swaggart. So far, she's chosen me and Victory Church. So listen to me. Can I tell you something? We hear this from across the world. So glad I could see Victory Church online and be able to interact with that. My friend, that is the day and age in which we live. Now, this side of the paper, there it is. Victory Church. That means not a building. That means you. So I'm asking you to take this. You get a letter in the mail this week, and I'm asking you to pray over it. Read it good. Put your hand over it and say, God, I want you to bless bless my church. I want you to use me to do it. I want some exciting things to take place. Our vision statement has been from the beginning to know Christ and make him known. Listen, I'm making that commitment to you. That we're not backing up. We're not resting up. We're not going to get on the side road. We're going to stay on the straight and narrow and say, God, there are souls out there. The devil thinks he's got forever. They're going to be released by the grace of God. Amen. These young people down here and the nurseries over there are some of our most valuable assets. And we're about to put them to work by the grace of God. Amen. So let's get on board, see what God can do. And let's believe the Lord for a mighty outpouring of his Holy Spirit.